Welcome to the show. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, children of all ages, fans, coaches, players, and of course, my fellow umpires, welcome to episode number 12 of Ball Strikes and Bourbon, a podcast about the art of umpiring and the pleasures of whiskey. I'm Bernie. Josh is my co-host. We apologize. It's been a few weeks since we recorded. Um, Once again, we keep saying this, but once again, we have lives. Josh uh, went on vacation for a week and change. Uh, I had some shit going on. We just, it, we record when we can. And unfortunately, this time we went a little longer in between than we would have liked to. Uh, But here we are, Josh. How's it going? Doing well. How are you, Bernie? Great. Uh, did I hear you open a bottle? Yeah, yeah. I actually just poured me a um, poured me about a two finger here of um, rabbit hole. Uh, I've I've had it before on here. Uh, I believe this one is, is it sherry cask. Let me see here. Yeah, this one's rabbit hole uh, finished in sherry cask. And I've actually got it poured into a. Belgian style beer glass. I like to. It's almost like a Glencairn, but it's a little bit bigger, of course. And uh, I like to drink whiskey out of those from time to time. We got a couple of them. We got a local brewery here, Core Brewing Company, here in the same town I live in. And you can go in there into their tap room and buy one of their, I don't know, nine, ten dollar glasses, and your first beer's free. And so I usually end up with one of those. So that's what I'm drinking it out of tonight. Very nice. What about you? I have uh so I've got something that's uh a little different. It's not your it's not technically bourbon. I don't That's well, okay, you can stay it's in the a, show. It's it's a pain <laughs> pain spirits finished oh. in oak bourbon barrels. Yeah. Um this is made by Boundary Oak Distillery in uh, Bardstown, Kentucky. I believe Bardstown. Yeah. Um I could I could just fucking look at the label, couldn't I? Yeah, that uh, usually helps. Radcliffe, Kentucky, not 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 Bardstown. Gotcha. Very, I believe, very close to each other. Um, this one's called Patton Armored Diesel. It has General George Patton on the bottle, oh. um, and it is made as a tribute to the the beverage that Patton crafted back in the forties, I think. Hmm. Um, it's great. It it drinks like a whiskey. It's sweeter. Um, so if you, if you'd like a, a weeded whiskey, you like a, your Buffalo Trace products, your Wellers and, and your, your, uh, Buffalo Trace, or you like Maker's Mark, or, um, I believe Old Forester has, is, has a weeded offering. I'm not sure if all of Old, Old Forester's weeded, but you like heavy wheat bourbons with that little sweeter note to them. This has that to a little bit more. It, it is a sweeter, uh, liquor, but it, it still is. Very whiskey esque. Um, yes, I, I, I would mix it like a whiskey if I was making old fashions or something else out of it. So, so it, what what is the what is cane the base? Is that what you're telling me? I so it's it's it just on here says it's it's got the proof and it says cane spirits finished in oak bourbon barrels. And well. so I'm going to now Google. There you go. Might as well. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't. I should have done that in the show prep, but as we know, we wait. What show prep? We don't say neither of us are. <laughs> we always no, so, discuss we're going to do it at some point. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, I mean, there's all kinds of whiskeys out there. You have wheat whiskeys, you have uh, barley whiskeys, you have rice whiskey, you have, you know, you, yeah. you can pretty much make whiskey out of, out of any type of grain or, uh, I mean, you start, you start venturing off into to fruits and vegetables that, that kind of changes the game a little bit, but I mean, you can make whiskey out of a lot of things so i'm interested in in knowing what that whiskey is made from uh sounds interesting it says on this website it says it's uh, made out of 10 times pot distilled cane spirit yeah barrel aged in used white oak bourbon barrels for a year and a half at which point it will age an additional 14 months with fresh uncharred american and french oak chips Uh, okay doesn't really give a whole lot of what's in so it? that that's a pretty clear whiskey, I'm guessing. No, it's uh, it's it's brown. I mean, because you think it, it's oh, spends... the first, the first. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I, I'm wasn't putting the first one in there, and then yeah, okay, yeah. And even if you age something with uh, you know, they've got these these things you can order online now that I've seen where you can buy these wood oh, sticks yeah. basically and drop it in, and you'll see the color. They still that that brown color really filters into it. Yeah, um, because yeah. you think the alcohol content is just it kind of uh. What's the word I'm looking for? Not degrades, but uh, dissolves some of the... Oh, the alcohol content? Yeah, I mean, it proofs down as you... Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying to to get that color... Oh, uh, oh, yes, I got you. Even if you put a little piece of wood or something, it's going to dissolve part of it and and absorb that that color. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people, non-whiskey drinkers, uh, or non, I guess, regular whiskey drinkers, don't really know how whiskey gets its color. Uh, What they don't, a lot of them don't know unless unless there's some sort of, um, well, no, I mean, it, all of it comes out of the the still clear and um, and then it's it's aged in barrels and that's wh- really where the coloring starts to come in into play. I mean, um, go buy a bottle. We used to get bottles of moonshine and we'd put those oak sticks in there. Heck, sometimes we'd just get our own oak sticks and put in there, and it wouldn't take very long. And, and that moonshine would be would be brown. I mean, yeah. And it was corn moonshine, so basically that's, that's I mean, bourbon. Really, all I would say all <laughs> all bourbon is 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 corn whiskey. Yeah, moonshine, which is aged. It's just <laughs> aged. It's did it, you yeah. take moonshine that's un whiskey that's unaged is, is your moonshine, it's your white light, yeah. like white that's hog. Right. You know, some places call it, right? And it's, it your, it's your strongest. And yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of those people like that white lightning because it's, you know, it's 150, 160. I mean, there's some even up there closer to 90%. So, yeah, yeah, that'll make you go blind. <laughs> and I think that's the, uh, who who wrote that song, White Lightning? Uh, I'm blanking. Oh, on. Um, I can sing it. I'm not going to, but I can. Uh, I, I, I was not gifted with a singing voice. So, but anyway, so your 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 whiskey sounds interesting. I tried. I sent you a picture the other night. I Friday night took the bride out on a little date night. We have a we have a little program. I don't know what you call it. it's a thing around here. You you get this passport, and I think it's got fifteen breweries and distilleries in it. And when you visit those places, they will stamp your passport on their page. It's a pretty cool little thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we went out and got a couple stamps on Friday night. The first place I went to which is core brewing the one I got this this Belgium beer glass from. 
um, they had a, a barley wine, which I've never had that before. And I sent you a picture of that. That was that was pretty interesting. It was it was different. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's not something that I would just sit around and like, hey man, come try my barley wine. But you know, have a glass of it. Semi chilled is pretty good. You know, it it tastes a lot like a port wine to me. Um, minus the grape. Just imagine there's it's more grainy tasting than than grape. But there's there's no pecan or no almond or walnut or whatever nut they finish. There's none of that on the finish like you'd have with a port wine. It's more of a grainy and I, I told you coffee taste, coffee finish. So anyway, it was it was pretty neat. Um, it was just different. And then we went to a second one, and it's uh, that place only has uh, beers and seltzers, and I think they had some wines. I only just I just tried their amber ale. I'm, usually, if I'm out, I'm going to get a amber ale or a or a light pilsner of some sort. But anyway, um, but the same people that own that second one we went to, which was called Goat Lab Brewery. Uh, they also own a comedy club, so we was like, "Hey, let's see what they let's see what they have at the comedy club tonight. We might as well just go over there and catch a comedy show real quick." And it just happened to be Tim Meadows, and oh, so nice. yeah, I was like, "Well, get some tickets. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see the ladies, man. <laughs> Maybe see drink some Cavassier." <laughs> and he did. Somebody bought him a shot, and they handed it to him right when he walked on stage. He's like, "What is this shit?" He's like, "This stuff's nasty." He could have picked a better tasting uh drink for that show but cavassier was fun to say you know (laughs) yeah it's i like it i love uh, i like cognac i like cavassier yeah it's all right good drink yeah i I like i've never been a uh, a cognac person brandy certain brandies i'll i mean uh, it's all yeah but cognac to me is just i don't know how to i don't know how to describe what it tastes like to me uh it's just not sticky is the way i've always said it it tastes yeah. like yeah, syrupy kind of, almost. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it and it's really meant to drink warm. Well, I say meant to. I'm not going to say that. I didn't invent it and I didn't. But I like it warm. Uh, not hot, but just warm. Uh, not as warm as I would drink like sake. But, you know, um, just kind of kind of mildly warm. And uh, I usually have it with some sort of dessert. That's That's how I've always enjoyed cognac. But I don't. Man, I, I can probably count on all fingers and all toes how many times I've tried cognac. And so I just, I, I'm not a big, my neighbor loves brandy and cognac. Um, and every time I go over there, he's like, you want to try something? And I always end up having brandy with him, but I never have any of his cognac. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so we ended up watching uh, our seeing Tim Meadows live and, and then we also went ahead and booked some tickets for Monday night. We can talk about Monday night next time we record, but we're going to go see Rob Snyder on Monday night. He's going to be in town. So, oh, that's that should be a good time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pretty excited about that one as well. So, anyway, what uh, what have you been up to? Well, you know, and I had beach vacation. That was nice. So yeah. it's been a been a busy two and a half weeks for me, man. So, I've been uh, but doing nothing but good. Working, and, uh, working and coming home. So, well, I mean, coming home sounds great, but working sounds terrible. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate. You know, I, everybody's basically best working, but really, I've got nothing bad to say about my job. So, no, me either. Really, I mean, I got a good job, and but you know, um, if somebody offered me the same amount of money to do nothing, I would probably take them up on that offer. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Even my uh, my senior manager above me, um, he. Uh, we were sitting in the office the other day talking, 
and another equal level uh, a member of our leadership team to me we we both res- we both answered to the the guy above us um the other guy was saying how you know man he he was he was kind of trying to suck up you know cuz mm-hmm. man you know this is everything here you know it's great i'm i'm, I'm really loving what i do you know I, almost you wouldn't have to pay me you know i could i could stay here i could you know I could be happy here. You know, I feel like I'm contributing to the team, blah, blah, blah. I could win the lottery and I'd still come here. And our senior manager was like, no, if I win the lottery, y'all are never seeing me again. Yeah. Yeah. You won't even know it. It was like, I'm dedicated a lot of years to this company. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have no intention of going anywhere, but if we end up with a, what was it? A nine, we had a $900 million lottery. Uh, what was it? Yeah, like one long ago, spring yeah. or something back last yeah. fall. He's like, if I win that, you guys are never seeing me again. You're, yeah. I'm not even going to put in a resignation. I'm just going to stop showing up. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. I mean, because if you give if you give the people who own the companies we work for, if if you give their upper management the option to say, hey, you know, you got this employee that you're paying whatever hundred k a year. Um, I have a machine that will do it, and it only costs you around twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a year. Um, Buddy, you're gonna be looking for a job. I'm just telling you right now. There's, there's no, but so that's you know, I, I love, I get, you know, why people are. I'm loyal to. I, I try to be loyal to my company that I work for as well. But I'm, I'm also not naive to the fact that um, one, I'm, I'm probably replaceable, and and two, if there's a cheaper version of me out there, you know, it's they would probably take take uh, the chance on that. So. I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact, but all that said, um, if I won the lottery, they, they would not see me anymore. You know, my, one of my first bosses said, uh, money can't make you happy. And I was like, yep, yeah, I agree. He just pauses me for, for, for you to say something. And then he'll look at you and goes, but it sure can make you comfortable. It can buy, yeah. It can <laughs> buy you things that'll make you happy. <laughs> it can, well, I work, I work for a company that is, um, Employ- it's a, one of those employee-owned type companies where it's it's privately traded. It's not you know it's not on the public market. Sure. Yeah. Um, and as part of our compensation package, um, every year a certain percentage of your your gross gets given back to you. Yeah. In stock options. Oh, nice. Okay. And the comp- company's doing very well. Yep. And you know we had a, we actually came to the logical conclusion that if you hit the lottery, you move to part time. And you work like one six-hour shift a week or every two weeks or something okay. to maintain your ability to stay an employee so you can continue to buy stocks. Oh, I got you. Because you're given, you're given X amount, but then you can buy stocks as well as an employee. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you take the lottery winnings and you put it back in and you just only have to stay at the company for three or four years and let it grow. And then and you've, yeah, you're, you're well ahead, and so we're like, that's a that's actually a really smart strategy. Yeah, if you're in yeah. a situation where you can do that, you you it's safe. The company's not going anywhere. You know, it's one of those pandemic proof, uh, uh, economy crashing proof yeah. fields that everyone needs. So, yeah, mine mine survived. Mine actually thrived through COVID and that that's a little bit of crash or whatever you want to call that recession. Um, I actually patroned your company. Uh, oh, yeah. Was uh, down down on the Gulf, you know, and so I oh, actually, well, you had no choice. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. right. right. <laughs> we're, the, we're the best option. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And um, so, yeah, patron, you know, you, um, so I'm, I'm contributing to your um, to your paycheck. You're welcome. I think um, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, before that, with, with what I did previously, um, if you were ever in the state of Florida for any reason and you paid any sort of tax on any product you purchased, you also contributed when I worked for the government. So um, thank you also for that. Yep, I've uh, given I've given money to the to the government of Florida. So yeah, <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, uh, right. well, you, yeah, you bought this whiskey for me uh, indirectly. So that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we had a good time down there, though. We uh, we went fishing, and I've I've tried to go deep sea fishing before. I've I'm a, I frequent the Gulf. Um, I'm not going to say every year, but I've been there in my 37 years on this planet. I've probably been there. I don't know, 16 or 17 times. I don't know. I know I may be way off on that. But anyway, I've been there a lot. And um, I tried to go deep sea, deep sea fishing once before, and we got like two miles out and started hitting about six or seven foot waves. And it was pretty rough. And the captain came down and said, no, nah, there's at 15 miles out, there's 12 to 15 footers. We're going back. I was like, dang. So it just didn't work out that time. I've done some, you know, inshore fishing, some bay fishing, and things like that. But we did a deep sea trip this time and had a blast. Took the took the boys and we actually had my two boys and the family we went with. They have a thirteen year old boy and two younger girls and the wives went with us and it was a blast. We caught a bunch of snapper and uh, mackerel and uh, caught an amberjack, which was really cool. We had to throw it back, but then we hooked up with a. 60 pound copia and apparently that's a very rare fish for the gulf now days but we fought that joker for an hour that's the one you sent the picture of yeah that one is all scarred up yeah man we fought that joker for an hour but i'm going to tell you that fish is the cleanest tasting the best tasting fish i've i think i've had seriously it is really good I mean, I, I put it, my, my is one of my favorites and I'll put it right there with it or above it. It's really good. Um, just a spectacular fish to, it was fun to catch and then, uh, really great, uh, to eat. And so fun trip, fun times. We, we, uh, we had a good time down there. So what, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, what, uh, let's, you know, kind of. Kind of um, something that, you know, we, I'm not going to say we have to deal with this every game, but when it has to be dealt with, it usually seems pretty elementary, but it's really not. There's, there's some things you need to know. You can really mess these things up. Um, we're going to talk about balls going out of, live balls going out of play, whether they're thrown, batted, or pitched. Um, we're going to talk about, um, detached equipment being used to field a batted ball, a thrown ball, or a pitch ball. Yep. And, and then we're going to talk about lodged balls. Again, batted, thrown, or pitched. And so, um, you know, I've had stretches of games where I've had to deal with lodged and balls thrown out of play. You know, you may have a stretch where you deal with it every game. You know, I had one this past year. I think I dealt with the it was mostly balls out of play, um, throwing balls out of play, because we had these, this one field that we had that was just not tight. So I dealt with that, like, you know, for a stretch of like three games in a row, four games in a row, something like that. And then you may go eight or nine, ten or whatever. You may even go a whole season and not have to deal with it. 
lot of it depends on the level of play and the quality of the field when it comes to balls going, throwing balls going out of play. Um, I think I've only dealt with detached equipment once or twice in my career, so that doesn't happen very often. And um, and so and lodge balls, you know, I've had a few. I don't know, I can probably count on both hands how many times I've had to deal with like a, a true lodged ball. Um, again, that's going to come down to, you know, quality of the field. Although a lodged ball that gets lodged in a catcher's equipment or a fielder's uniform, that has, I've dealt with um, lodging in a catcher's equipment. I've had that probably four or five, six times in my, my career. So anyway, they don't happen. My point is they don't happen a lot. And most of the time, it's pretty simple on the base awards. But there's some things that can throw kinks in that. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So. And, and not just that, but there's like some of them are super off-the-wall situations. They're, they're those test question plays, we call them. Yep, yep. And, you know, those are the things that they're not common. It's, I mean, especially at the high school level that we call at and, 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 and you know, the lower college level, even up to like – I mean, hell, even the D1 guys, they're still kids. They're college kids. Oh, yeah. Balls go out of play all the time. You know, there's overthrows and, and people fall over railings and padding in the outfield fences or in the netting somewhere balls going to get stuck. But then there's those weird plays that you – that's where you make your money, you know, yeah. by knowing the rule that applies in, in a weird off-the-wall situation. Well, yeah, and I think I think the mo- I think the reason a lot of why I say that it seems elementary to most people when it, when it happens is because it's usually by the you know the infielder on his first play and it goes into the dugout or he throws it over the fence behind first base. Everybody just kind of knows like that's the most I would say that's the most common time that it happens, right? Um, or one of the most common times, but. Depending on who threw the ball, when they threw the ball, how many times they thrown the ball, there's there's things that play into it, and so yeah, it can get very complicated very fast. Well, and, yeah, like you said, infielder on his first play, but yep. even that's a common one. People, everybody thinks, you know, uh, oh, infielder from his on his first play is one base. Well, unless yeah, right, you know, the, yeah. The, every if everybody has advanced one base safely yep. by the time that infielder makes that play, yep. Now you have two base award, and yep. instead of it being time of pitch, it's time of throw. So that's a, you know, yeah, right there. That example you gave is a perfect one that everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, infielder first play one base. Well, no, because yeah. you, where was everybody? You have to know the big picture and exactly what's going on in the game, or else you're going to award the wrong number of bases. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so that's uh, that's some things we're going to kind of dive into tonight. And but I guess we can go ahead and start with with that. Let's just. Start with the throwing throwing ball out of play. Might as well we're there. Um, let's let's start kind of from the beginning though. If you want to, let's start so, with a with a pitch. If you want, well, I want to I want to. Oh, talk about, there, there's three statuses. Hey, time out. Yes, time out. I just threw a flag on the field. I have on a I have a go on. <laughs> I have a listener supported or listener. How do you say that? A fan submitted question. Very good. Okay, and this didn't come through email. It didn't come through Facebook. It came from my wife. Okay, she, she's she listens. She listens to every um, every episode, and uh, she gives me real time feedback. And and um, yeah, she's solid. But she asked, 
when we were talking about mound visits and the coach, we talked about how the coach can't make a second mound visit to the same pitcher when the same batter's at bat. Yes. She asked, well, what about if another teammate or players, or what about a man or um, uh, assistant coach or somebody from the bench comes out? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to open the, the book. Yeah. To that section right now. No, that's okay. But the verbiage, if I recall, the verbiage in that is non-playing personnel. Right. So, so uh, right. Go ahead. No. So, so non-playing personnel would be you can't assistant coach can't come out, and then a pitch later the head coach come out. You know, it, yep. it's non-playing personnel. That also covers substitutes. We're not going to let a substitute come out of the of the dugout. Basically, no one out of the dugout can go back out there. Now we can right. allow we can allow a player. Right, the catcher can go there. The second baseman can go talk to yeah. him. Yeah, um, the, I'm going to come back out if he's prepared to make a change and get himself sure. ejected. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, no, she she submitted that question and and honestly, um, I answered it for her. And she she knew she, she's she's getting real. She's savvy anyway, but she's getting really savvy in baseball rules over the years. And and sometimes I have to tell her, hey, you need to calm down, quit yelling at those umpires. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She does. She does a good job. She does not yell at umpires, and so no. But anyway, yeah. So she she asked that question actually about five minutes before I got on here, and so all right. Sorry, I derailed this thing. How do we get the the train back on the tracks here? Um. So we a thrown ball, the, but but before we we talk about a thrown pitch, batted ball going out of play. In order for a, a, a you're going to hear this these terms. In any rule book that you go into for baseball or softball, a thrown ball, a batted ball, a pitched ball. And that's very important because it's not as cut and dried as you would think. For example, a, a baseball is always going to be a thrown ball, a pitched ball, or a batted ball. And a pitched ball or a throw from the pitcher is a... a a throw that originates with the pitcher in contact with the pitcher's rubber. That ends. That ball ceases to have its status as a pitch or a throw from the pitcher when it has been touched by, intentionally touched by, a fielder. So pitcher from the rubber picks off to first base, overthrows the first baseman, and it goes over the dugout. That base award would be, you'd look in the the, the table of, of base running awards that's available at NFHS and, and look in the section in the other rule books for a throw from the pitcher going out of play. But the moment the first baseman gets a glove on it, and it, maybe maybe it's a bad throw, right? Pitcher throws it wild, so the first baseman goes diving to his left, and it, it's in the first baseman's glove, and he and he rolls, and it flings out of his glove and into the dugout. Mm-hmm. That base award is going to be based on a throw from a fielder. That yeah. once the first baseman reached, once the first baseman reached out his glove, grabbed the ball touched the ball with it, it ceased to be considered a throw from the pitcher. Even though 
physics and stuff, maybe the ball was still in motion or, or whatnot. I, you can get all that. But once the fielder yeah. made that act of, of putting the glove on the ball and, and then the ball shot away, now that is changed the ball status from a throw for the pitcher to a throw from the fielder. Even though the fielder wasn't making a throwing motion, the base award is still from the, the throw from a fielder category. Yeah, and I think, Just, I think it's NCAA that does the wording well on this. And I, I may be wrong on this, but NCAA, I believe it's NCAA that says if the fielder uh, puts or adds impetus. Is that the word that I'm looking for? Yeah. Uh, in other words, yeah, adds, adds energy to the ball. Right. Know, so so think, th- think of a pitch. A pitch is thrown, and it, it s- skips off the dirt and hits the catcher in the shin guard, deflects over towards the dugout, and he's chasing after it. And he never touches it again, and it goes into the dugout. Well, that's a pitch that went out of play because right. it, it skipped off the catcher. It, he didn't cause it to do that. But say he's chasing after it, and he dives after it, and he kicks it again, or his shin hits it again, and it, it pushes the ball even Further, although maybe it was still going to go out, but it, it pushes the ball. It obviously adds energy to the ball, and then it goes out. Well, that's different. Now we don't have a pitch ball out of play. We have um, a filter with the thrown ball. We go to the thrown ball table there. So, yeah, that's right. a good point. And, if I, the, if that and that's true across all that rules. Throw, sets. That, you know, that yeah. play I described, if he dives for that bad throw, that bad pickoff, oh, yeah. and it bounces off his head and goes out of play, it's still a throw from the pitcher. Correct, but yep. because you're know, like I described, he reaches glove out. Yep, his intentionally contact the ball with his glove. I'm, I'm a hockey fan, and I, I like the way hockey describes it because they'll review a goal that goes off a player's skate, and they're looking for the the, the term in hockey. They're either looking for was it did the did the player pause the redirection or did the puck simply bounce off the player. If the player causes the redirection, the offensive player causes the redirection of the puck into the goal with his skate, no goal. Mm, yeah. But if he was just standing there looking at something else and the puck hit his skate and bounced in without him contributing to that, then it's a good goal because he did not commit an illegal act, which would be, you know, kicking the puck in. So that I like how yeah. hockey, and it's the same same concept like you described in baseball. It's did the player do something to cause that, or did it just Jose Canseco home run bounced off his head and went out of play? Yep, exactly. If it if it went in his glove and bobbled around and went up over the fence, that would not have been a home run. But it hits his head. It'd been a four by yeah four by error. Right. But right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, agreed, and, and it's very important that we know that because. Um, your play, like that you describe, it's very common, or not very common, but it is it it is common on a pickoff play to first. Like I'm I'm paying attention whenever I'm going up there with my 13 year old, and, and uh, I help coach that team. I'm looking at the fences, especially behind first base, third base. I'm looking at the fences behind home plate. I'm looking for those holes. I'm looking to see if that. That fence behind first base, is it short? Is it tall? Is it tight? Is it is there a hole? You know, because we play on some fields. There's one in, in Bentonville here. You know, Bentonville, uh, shameless plug, home of Walmart. And uh, <laughs> there's you think that there's plenty of money there, right? But we play on this junkie in this junkie park um, up there. And, and the fence behind first base, I swear, it, it's like 28 inches tall. 
<laughs> it comes up to my mid thigh when I'm standing next to him. Like, what in the world is this? You know, I'm it's a tall dude. Keep, like ground balls from going out of play. <laughs> it's to keep. I don't know what it's to keep, honestly, because um, I think rabbits can jump over that fence. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, and so we've actually I've seen balls, pit, you know, pickoff moves to, to first, and I've seen them go over that fence several times uh, between umpiring and coaching there. And so it's very important to know the difference there because if it just deflects off the fielder, then then it's it's a throw from the pitcher while he's engaged. If it was a, if it was a pickoff move, um, but if the fielder gloves it, hands it, however, and in his in his motions, you know, falling or trying not to fall, he you know slingshots that thing out of out of play. Then we have we have a different ruling there. So it's very important to to know that. And so. Um, so take us into it a little, a little deeper. Give it, let's, let's go over some plays, some scenarios and, and kind of start from the beginning and work our way up if you want to. All right. So we, we brought up, uh, well, your, your basic, um, I don't know, yeah, basic, I don't know if basic is a good word. Your, well, there's, there's very, very few things that are basic about run of the mill people... plays. There you One go. Base. <laughs> One okay. base, a one base right. award, and I'm going to go. I'm in the NFHS National Federation of High School book. Um, yeah, that's and I'm going to okay. go down this table because it's one. I feel like most of the people listening are high school umpires or people who work travel ball that is governed by high school rules. And two, the table they give here is really great and it's succinct. Yeah, and there's not, honestly, guys, on the topics tonight, there's not a lot of difference. And when we come to one that is different, we'll definitely try. You know break that apart so yeah so base award one base for runners now when this says runners it means everyone other than the batter or runner which is which is important designation batter or batter runner so one base for runners or a balk one base from the time of the infraction right so wherever the runners are when the balk happens which is key. It's the only. It's the it's the only one base award that is from the time of the infraction, and it's interesting because hypothetically you have a guy who takes a real big lead on a right-handed pitcher, right? He's leading off first base, and he takes off, and for whatever weird reason, the pitcher has a delayed reaction to the guy. By the time the pitcher turns to second base, realizes he's there. He balks. Guess what? That guy's getting third because he's already reached second. So that one is not from the time that that is from the time the infraction occurs. So if you have a weird situation like that, it's the time of the infraction. 99% of the time, it's going to be the base he was just at. He's just going to be balking the next base. And I would assume that that pitcher's getting yanked or something like that ever happened. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, but yeah, that's a great point. No, good, good, good scenario because, I mean, Everybody tries to act like, well, that would never happen. Well, you guys don't be naive to the fact that we're umpiring 17, 16, and 15 year olds. Um, I was that age once. We're kind of dumb. They were kind of dumb. You know, they, they do some, uh, yeah. I did some pretty dumb stuff when I was that age. I mean, I'm 37. I still do some dumb stuff. But um, yeah, you know, they may sit there and watch somebody basically steal on them and then like <laughs> react way too late. So, I mean, don't ever think that it won't happen. Because the minute that that happens, 
or the minute that you do that, it's going to happen and you're going to get caught sleeping on it and you're going to make the wrong ruling. And so, yeah, don't ever think that it, it, it won't happen because, uh, what's, what's the old, um, it's not, it's not, uh, Murphy's law. Yeah. Right. Anything that, anything that that can happen, uh, will, or anything that can go wrong. Yeah. I don't remember. Anything that can't go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Is that what it is? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, all right. All right, number two, a pitch from the pitcher's plate thrown out of play. All right, so you got to oh, hold the backstop behind the catcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one base for all runners from the time of the pitch. Correct. Uh, which is now, determined now. by the time the pitcher starts his motion. Right. So when once the pitcher lifts his leg and he begins his delivery home, wherever the runners are, the last base they acquired at that time, that pitch goes out of play, they get the next base for free. All right, I want to pause here. I want to I want to talk about this one for just a second because I've had I've actually had ball four go out of play. I've had that happen a couple of times, and I had a, a new one about I think it was either last season or season before in high school. Both of those were in high school. Or all this was in high school ball. So when it's ball four, I think one time that it happened with ball four, there was, it might have been, uh, there was multiple runners on, whatever. Can't remember the exact placement of them. But it's a dead ball and everybody gets one base. Right. So not, not surprised. I mean, that makes sense, right? Right. And we'll get that. That's actually one. It's coming up here in a second. Oh, is, my bad. Is well, well, ball four thrown out of play. Okay, it, does it cover uncut third with that as well? Because that's where I was going to go with the other one. Um, it's the same. It, it's the same. It yeah, doesn't it's, matter. It's a. It's well. It's a. That's a pitch. Um. And and you have to keep in mind. Okay. When a third strike passes the batter. Yep. Until that third strike is caught. For that nanosecond, the batter is a runner. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So, it, because it's it's in the rule book, a batter becomes a runner when, and one of them is there is a third strike that is uncaught. Yep. So if that uncaught third strike goes out of play, that is covered by a pitch from the pitcher's plate going out of play, and that batter is now a runner. He's no longer the batter. Right. Correct. Correct. So we have a a throw so, from the pitcher's. Go. Sorry. No, I was going to say I'll, I'll I'll pull the reins back on my horse real quick, and we can talk about it here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we got that, that's a good point, though. Um, yeah, keep a, a throw from the pitcher's plate goes out of play. Uh, one base from the time of the throw, right? So he now, what, what could off. possibly? I was about to say, what could pot? How how can a pitcher, if it's not a pitch, how can a pitcher have a throw from the pitcher's plate? He's legally engaged, and he picks somebody off at first or third. And it's amazing to me how many or, people. No, uh, go ahead. Well, no, yeah, that's it. He could he he's picked somebody off, or he's making a. A legal play. Um, yeah, and, and so it's amazing to me, though, how many people I encounter, especially um, on the interwebs here, that think that a pitcher has to step off before they make a pickoff move. Oh, my gosh. And it, it's it's like it hurts my brain. It, it I have to go take another um, indigestion pill because it's just – it kills me. Like, I'm sitting there going – how many baseball games have have you actually watched? It tells me that a lot of people watch a lot of baseball and, and pay very little attention about yeah. pickoffs. Because if you think that a pitcher has to step off before they make a pickoff move, 
you're wrong. Um, actually, I will even go a step further and argue that a legal pickoff move is one that is performed while the pitcher is engaged. Otherwise, right, it's that, just a pitcher making a play. Back gives away what you're about to do. Yeah, and, and do we ever say that a fielder picks off anybody? I mean, a catcher, they say back pick. I get it. I get the terminology. I'm not arguing the terminology. What I'm saying is that 98% of the time, when we say pickoff, it's a pitcher while he's engaged with the rubber. Right. And, and, when, and especially like when umpires are talking in, in our realms, when we're talking in our realms on Facebook and, and at camps and clinics, and, all, and when we say pickoff, uh, I'm going to even go a step further and say that 99.9% of the time we're talking about a pitcher who's engaged with the rubber. We don't consider a catcher backpicking a pickoff move. No, and once we will, we'll say that he throws behind. You know that uh, catcher threw, threw behind, behind him, yeah, or three. So once, once so he steps off the rubber, he can do whatever he wants. So we're not concerned yeah, with filter. whatever antics he does to pick to, to try and pick somebody off, so to speak. Yeah, at first or third, he can step off and and dance and spin around and somersaults. I don't care. He's off the rubber. Yeah, so it's 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 nauseating whenever I see someone say, uh, he didn't step off, he can't do that. It's like, wait a minute, it's a pickoff move. Sure, he can yeah. do that. He doesn't have to step. And they're, and they're convinced that a pitcher has to step off. We're getting into the balk rule, though. Yeah, yeah uh, no, I don't want to go that far. Gonna... But anyway, yes. But it, it's important to know that whenever the rule book says a throw from the pitcher while engaged with the rubber, that's what they're talking about. It's talking yeah. about pick, pickoff moves. Okay. Uh, unintentional catch and carry is time of pitch. So most of the time you're going to see this you'll, at a lot of your your parks that have uh, gate openings, dugout openings, fly ball yep. is caught, fielder has his momentum going, catches the ball, but he can't stop and he runs out of play. Um, yep. And that is a one base award from the time of the pitch. Yep. So he, you know, fielder fielder makes the catch, Goes into the dugout, goes into the bullpen gate. Not, not, not. I'm not talking about on-field bullpens like they have at, at the Devil Rays Stadium or whatever. Or right. I guess the Rays now. I don't know. I'm about to say that's still. Yeah, that's not um, politically correct, there, Bernie. They uh, they wore their <laughs> Devil Rays uniforms on Friday night, so it's because of the best-looking uniforms. Yeah, the purple and green. Yeah, yeah, those are sharp. Yeah, uh, but they on-field bullpens. There's a different thing. We'll get to that. But uh, you, if you got a bullpen down the lines. We have several teams here that have bullpens way down the lines on the sides, go through a bullpen gate, go into a gate that where they keep lawn equipment, whatever it is. If a fielder catches a fly ball and his momentum carries him into a dead ball territory, uh, yep. then it's a one base award from the time of the pitch for all runners because the catch is legal. Right. The, the legal catch provided in, in high school or official baseball rules he has one foot still on the field of play, and in college, he catches the ball when he has two feet still on the field of play. So, provided so, that catch is legal, the batter's out, so he can't get a base award. As you know, obviously, sure. So, so that catch is made, and then then they run into dead ball territory. Uh, Bernie, what if R one was halfway between first and second? What's he required to do, or is he required to do anything? Can he just go ahead and go to second? He has to. He has to retouch. Because okay. he is still required, he is still obligated by another portion of the rule to touch first after a fly ball is caught, retouch his yep. base. So the, yep. he's not absolved of his responsibility. So if he right. doesn't, if he doesn't 
retouch. There can be an appeal situation, and you're throwing people out of the game. There you go. Try <laughs> it's and, right. Yeah. And, and in high school, that's probably going to end up being a parent along with a coach. I don't know. I, I'm going to give coaches more credit than, than you know your average parent and say that they understand that. But, you know, yeah, there's going to be some – definitely going to be some confrontation there. But yeah. that's what we get paid the big bucks for. Catcher obstruction. Catcher obstruction is a one-base award for all runners who are attempting to advance at the time of the catcher obstruction. Mm-hmm. That is from the pitch. It's very important. Uh, or if they're forced by the batter, of course. Anytime the right. batter is, yeah, anybody that's, that's forced the gets next, the next base. That's, that's the next line. Is it's a Oh, I'm on fire tonight. You are. I, I, you, it's a one-base award that. if the runner is forced, which means, oh, if okay. you, and we're about to get into the batter section next, but if a batter is awarded first base, any runner is... If there's a runner on first, he's forced to second. But if there's a runner on if there's first and third, and the batter is awarded first base, only the runner from first is going to second because the runner from third is not forced. Yep. And the seventh, the seventh one base award according to the high school rulebook, um, which is this is very these are all almost identical across the board, but I just like the way high school lays it out. Um, I do too. I like that. If a pitch strikes a runner, all runners get one base. Right, so the only time how in the world to... could have? <laughs> I was going to try and make this like suspenseful here, Bernie. A, a how... straight steal of home. <laughs> yeah, and, and there is a hypothetical play that that we've marinated on in in some of my um, locker room conversations here in during this past season and, and the years before. Um, a hypothetical. Stealing a home play. I'm going to get a little off track. Uh, a pitcher, you know, he's set. Runner from third takes off. Pitcher steps off and throws. I mean, some of these guys, get they can step off real quick. Um, and the batter swings at that. That is going to become a shit show if the batter puts that ball in play. Yeah, because and, you're going to have to call time, and you're going to have to call the batter out for interference, and put the runner back because it is a at that point in time. Wait a minute, you have a member of the offense intentionally interfering with a thrown ball by a fielder. <laughs> Therefore, but wouldn't that be? Hang on, hang on. I want to. Wouldn't the runner still in home be out? No, unless there were unless there were two outs, then the batter would be out, right? Help me out here. I'm 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 do not have the rule in front of me. I'm going off memory. I don't have if it. A but batter, what, what if a batter we, interferes with the play, the batter interferes with a play at home. Well, it yeah. depends. It, well, yeah, it depends on the number of outs. Yes, yeah, because if a batter interferes with the play at home, the right. runner's out. Unless there are two outs, then the right. batter's out. And no run scores, right. and it's intentional. Okay. And because it's intentional yes. interference. Because he is intentionally swinging the bat at a ball oh, yeah. being thrown, you have now an unsportsmanlike act. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, intentionally That's... interfering in that because you you have to consider uh, if he 
if it's just a runner that slows down or something in front of a fielder and gets hit by a ball or crashes into somebody, it's a little different. But you have to think you have a pitcher steps off and throws the ball home. Mm-hmm. No one else on the field is expecting to become involved in that play. Oh yeah, no. I'm, so I'm by with the you. batter, by the batter swinging and hitting that ball, there's a good chance that none of the infielders, including the pitcher, are expecting that ball to be coming back at them at 95, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I'm tracking with you. I'm trying to figure so, out though. By that, I, personally, by that, and it's it's tough. I'm, I hate doing paperwork when I umpire, but if that man. happens, I'm throwing the kid out of the game. Because that's unsportsmanlike, okay. and it could have injured somebody. The defense was so, not prepared to make a play on that ball because they had no reason to expect you to hit a ball that you were not entitled to hit because the pitcher stepped off. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm pitch. gauging that by yeah, I'm gauging that by like I knew like if I'm behind the plate and I knew that he stepped off, the batter should know too. Right? Maybe right. I don't. I don't. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, claim. Uh, Climb the uh, the same mountain that you're climbing here, and I'm I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around it rules wise. Like I know I'm getting an out for sure. Oh, I can't yeah. get two outs here. There's no two. There's no double play here. Um, so I'm not getting two, but I'm definitely getting one. R three's out. Right. Unless there's two outs, then the batter's out. Now we're you're waiting off into the intentional part of this. Intentionally if, interfering and creating yeah. a safety issue. If he intentionally swings, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think of. Okay, let's say that it's not from the pitcher. Say, say third's trying to throw it home, and he's and the batter's still, you know, somewhere for some reason. Say there was a pickoff move to third, and and R three went on the pickoff move, right? And so, so the batter's still in the box, and R and F. F five's throwing home, right? And that batter swings and hits that throw. I'm definitely throwing him I'm, out. I'm running the kid. I'm so, so by so I'm that, center, and I'm trying to track, but I'm trying to track it back to a pitcher stepping off backwards. But it's, but it's not a pitcher at I, that point. That's a throw I know. from a fielder. Yeah, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I said, I'm trying to climb. I'm climb, trying to climb the same mountain with you. Like you're, you're, you're way ahead of me. And I'm trying to catch up with you here because I've never. I've never considered the intentional part of this. If I know that kid, that batter knew that that pitcher stepped off and that was not a pitch, I mean, we're definitely getting interference regardless of what he knew or didn't know. Yeah, yeah, interference either way. Yeah, but if he if he knew, I'm tracking with you. Yeah, I'm I'm running that kid. Hey, coach, you're going to need a new batter. This guy's, you know, he's gone. I mean, he's got to go. He 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 knew, you know, so. Uh, that's that's an, I've honestly never even considered that before in my life, and I've been up here for 22 years. And so, interesting, interesting play, interesting scenario you bring up there. Because honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you, Bernie. I wasn't tracking with you at first. I was like, throw him out. What the hell are you talking about? But you start thinking about it and tr- and, and breaking it down and thinking about it from a different filter. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he tries to crank one. <laughs> Off of the third baseman, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw him out. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I guess the same applies because we do the same thing whenever we we're, we're you know applying pitching regulations to the pitcher. Well, they don't they no longer apply to him once he steps off because he becomes a we have filled. to treat him like all the other ones. Yeah. No, great point. Um, that's interesting. I, I hope some of our our more veteran guys are, are listening to this episode and, and reach out to us. Maybe maybe they can. 
uh, add some insight because I'd love to hear some more insight on input on that scenario. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, all right. Um, again, get back on the tracks here. Yep. Back on the tracks. Uh, all right. Pitch strikes run one base to the batter. Batter is awarded one base for a walk. Right. That's simple. Ball four. He gets one base. Um, or he's award, or, you know, or it's an intentional walk. A pitch thrown out of play on ball four is a one base award to the batter. Now this goes back to what you talked about. The reason there are are two boxes. There's that that phrase of ball ball four goes out of play appears in the top section and the second section. First and third, for example. Ball four goes out of play. The batter gets a one base award. But if they didn't have the cap that this in the, the section for all runners, that runner at third would be stranded. So they put ball four going out of play in both. So if you have runners at first and third and ball four goes out of play, the runners are awarded one base from the time of the pitch, which, which awards that non-forced runner home. And then the batter is awarded first base. So you still have a situation where you're not, you know, ball four goes out of play because otherwise you, you could throw a ball four out of play. All of a sudden you realize, hey, guys, there's nobody on first base. There, it's a close game, and you see the guy stealing from from third. You just, hey, I'm going to wild pitch ball four over the backstop so that he has to stay. So yeah. they took that kind of cheap strategy move out of the the hands of the pitcher. So so that runners are awarded even if they're not forced. Yeah, and there's a there's a similar scenario we can cover when we start talking about fielders throwing it out of play. So yeah, no right. great great point, uh, great way, and and um, a lot of people think that they're smarter or know more than the rule writers. I promise you, you're not. Um, that's a great point. Why they have it broken up that way. Here's a here's another one. Um, a batter's awarded one base if he, the batter is obstructed. And this is one we saw in that first category where yeah. all runners are given one base if there's catcher obstruction, which if they are attempting to advance, which example, runner on second base only. And hey, real quick, you know, for those who are listening that aren't familiar with NFHS and more familiar with NCAA and, and OBR, catcher's obstruction is the same as catcher's interference that you right. hear. In catcher hinders OBR. the batter yeah. while he's attempting to contact the ball. And we've, we've covered that before, so if, if you're sitting there going, I still don't understand, go back and listen to our previous episodes. I'm not going to tell you which one. Just listen to them all and, yeah. uh, and, and then come back to us. Yeah, we've covered this but, before, but go ahead. Runner on second only. He's taking a normal lead, and he doesn't do anything, and the batter swings, and there's catcher obstruction. Batter is awarded, and, and it's a, a foul ball. Well, we're not worried about the ball getting put in play because we've discussed that in the obstruction rule. We're not talking about it. Um, foul ball, catcher obstruction. The batter is awarded first base. Runner stays at second. But if that runner is attempting to steal third on that play, there's catcher obstruction. Batter's awarded first base. And that runner, because he was attempting to steal third, he's going to be awarded third base. Yep, that's right. Um, the next one. Hit by pitch, batters awarded first. And any other runners, we go back to that top category, any runners advance if they are forced. So you got that runner on second only, batters hit by a pitch, he's going to stay right there. Um, 
unintentional runner interference. All runners, except for the runner who interfered, uh, one base. Uh, I'm, I'm fucking. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. The batter is a the batter is awarded first base. <laughs> All runners that are forced are awarded one base. After the interfering runner is put out, it is called out. So if you've got runners on first and second, and there's a ground ball to the second baseman, and the runner from first interferes with the second baseman, he's out. The batter is awarded first, but because that runner is gone now, the runner from second stays at second. But yes, if it was a ground ball to the shortstop and the runner from second interfered, obviously that runner from first is going to be awarded second because he's forced by the batter getting first base on that play. Yep, that's right. And it's weird to talk about, you know, I think we covered this in interference, but it's weird to say that the batter is awarded first when there was interference, but that's that's the wording, that's the terminology, because what happens when interference occurs, runner interference especially, the ball becomes dead immediately. Yes. And so, yeah, it is an award at that point. So, anyway, uh, no, great point. Umpire interference hit by a batted ball, and that's if uh, umpire is before the fielder. So if you're if the umpire is inside the mm-hmm. infield, whether you're a, you're you're in you're in B or C position, and the infielders are behind you, and you get yep. hit dead ball, and the batter is awarded first. Yeah, and and this is another one that really confuses people. And a lot of them say umpire's part of the field. Well, that's true, except for when we have a batted ball in front of the infielders. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, on a thrown ball or a batted ball when the umpire's behind the infielders, yep, you're 100% correct. Um, umpire's part of the field. But when they're inside, inside of the infielders, uh, that is not true, as you just clearly stated. Yeah, and the last, the last one base award is if a pitch lodges in a defensive player or umpire's uniform or equipment on ball four. Mm, I've had this several I've, times. Yeah, I've had it. I've had a, a a lot of times. You get a a, a blocked pitch. You know, it's in the yep. dirt and it gets up under the catcher's chest protector, or or it gets down. It gets wedged between his his bottom of his mask and the in his throat. Yep. Um, you know, that's it's a dead ball by rule. Any equipment that gets lodged, any ball that gets lodged in equipment is a dead ball, and and then you award in that situation. Yeah, because, I think I've had this. Oh, go ahead. I'll say because this is ball four, the batter is awarded one base and anyone else who is forced. The table in the NFHS book does not have a pitch or a ball from the, a pitch ball or, or a thrown ball from the pitch rubber getting lodged in uh, equipment, defensive player equipment or umpire equipment. That's a one base award to all batters. So ball four gets stuck in catcher's gear. Uh, every runner is going to get a base and the batter is getting first. Uh, the next one's two bases. This is the most common phrase that is, to me, incorrect. Uh, and, and any umpire, anyone with any baseball rules knowledge, this phrase is used, in my opinion, wrong. Uh, a fair batted ball bounces over, through, goes under, or lodges in or underneath a fence. 
batter and runners are awarded two bases from the time of the pitch. Commonly, people call this a ground rule double. I hate that term. Because uh, to me, you know, a ground rule double would be something like I was at the I was at the Rays game last night. The Rays have four catwalks. Uh the they have the the two the center and the one out from it. They're concentric rings, if you've never seen inside Tropicana Field. The highest two catwalks are considered in play. So if a ball hits the catwalk and comes back down and it's caught, it's an out. If the ball hits the catwalk and lands, you play it. There are foul poles on those catwalks. So it determines the status fair foul. One of the Tropicana Field unique field ground rules is if a ball goes up and lodges on one of those catwalks, it's a two-base award. That, boys and girls, is a ground rule double because that two-base award is dictated upon, dictated by the ground rules of that specific field. Right? You have other stadiums that have catwalks. Now, the Metrodome, uh, when they had it in Minnesota, or the Astrodome in, in Houston, they had different ground rules for their catwalks than the stuff hanging from their ceilings. That, to me, is a ground rule, right? This is a book rule double. No matter what park you're in, if a ball bounces over a fence or, or goes under an out, a, a fence, a fair ball, it's a two-base award. That's not a ground rule because it's not unique to the ground rules of the field you're playing in. But I digress. This oh, I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've, I've discussed this and said this at nauseum. I mean, it's yeah. just like, it does not, and people are like, well, it's the same thing. Well, okay, just because we have the same award doesn't mean it's the same thing. Um, a balk is a one-base award, but a ball thrown out of, or pitch thrown out of play is a one, it's not the same thing. You know, a yeah. balk, a balk and a pitch thrown out of play is not the same thing. So just because it has the same award doesn't make it the same thing. So I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not a moron. I understand where people are coming from, but when we're talking about proper terminology, it's important um, to discuss that because uh, there are things, like you said, like you just mentioned, that aren't covered in the rule book. Uh, yeah. For a long time, the Ivy at Wrigley Field wasn't really covered in the rule book. And I'm not saying that the Ivy at Wrigley Field is specifically covered in the rule book, but now they mention Ivy in right. the OBR rule book. But, and that came, everybody I think understands that that came from Wrigley. But, um, but anyway, I digress. It's, it's a, it's a rule book double, guys. So, anyway, yeah, continue. Second one. <laughs> a fair, We're on the same page there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, not, it's one of those things that you, it's semantics and you just leave it alone. Um, yeah, yeah. A fair batted ball or thrown ball lodges in defensive player or umpire uniform or equipment except for a ball lodged in a glove. Two bases oh. for the batter and all runners from the time of the pitch. So, you know, a fielder dives to catch a ball, and instead of it, 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 it bounces off the ground in front of him, and it goes down his uniform shirt. That's a two-base award. Yep. Um, yep. And the reason it says except for a ball lodged in a glove is because that is, you can play that. 
We've seen that. We've all seen the video yeah. of the guy taking his glove off and throwing it to first base. That's yeah, cool. and I think the the famous video you're talking about is is from what ten or fifteen years ago, and it's happened. To, I think it's happened one more time in the. And I'm talking about in the major leagues since then. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I, I've, I've never seen it come into play. I've seen a, a thrown ball get lost in the glove before. But the first baseman made the out. It was a throw to first, retiring the runner, and he was out. But the ball was lodged in the first baseman's mitt. Yeah. And, and that still stays as an out. That's a catch. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Live thrown ball or pitch touched by detached player equipment, which is thrown, tossed, kicked, or held by any fielder. So, that is a throw or a pitch very important as this comes into play down the road that is from the that is two bases from the infraction as is a live thrown ball or pitch touched by an illegal glove or mitt uh let's see we've got the first throw by an infielder and the ball goes out of play or lodged in or under a fence is from the time of the pitch yeah and it's important to to mention there that first, the, the you'll as you read across the rule books, and even when you read in the case book for NFHS, the throw is considered the first throw is considered the first play because a ball deflecting off of a fielder, in, infielder, or a, a fly ball to an infielder that's dropped, that's not considered a play. Right. That's still a batted ball. Right. It's not a play until that fielder does something with it. Because generally speaking, a play equals a defender, the ball, and a runner. Now, the, the vicinity of those three things doesn't really matter. In other words, those three things don't have to be real close to each other at the same time for that to be a play. Because, uh, say, second baseman throws the batter runner out by 47 steps. Well, that was still a play, even though the runner was quite a ways away from the ball and the fielder. Who so my point is, a batted ball deflecting off of an infielder is not a play. Uh, say right. he gloves a, a a ground ball cleanly, but bobbles it on the throw and it hits the ground again. That's not a play. A tag attempt or a throw, that's a play. Right, and it's worth noting we're going through the high school rule book here. But I believe it's OBR has a comment that says that throw by the infielder going out of play. So shortstop air mails it to first and it goes 10 rows up in the stands. If that initial throw is made after the batter runner and all other runners have advanced one base safely, the base award is from the time of the throw. Whereas the high school rule does not make that differentiation. Well, hang on. It does. Um, it's an 8-3-5. And I'll read it. Hang on. I'm, I'm almost there, so give me a second. 8-3-5 says, um, If every runner, including the batter runner, has advanced one base at the time of the first play, the award is two bases from the time of the throw. That's right. Yeah, it's they break it into two separate things as opposed yes. to the OBR is in the same rule as the yes. base award. That's and that's where that th- yeah. yeah. Yeah, they break correct. it into you're, two parts. I knew where you were going there because you're correct. 
it's it's not in the same you know i don't want to go too deep in this but but the the nfhs rulebook is broken broken into a rule section then or, or, or a rule sorry a rule then a section and an article so you have rule eight is base running section yeah. one is i don't remember what section one is but section three is here i'll tell you what section three says word for word since i'm right here edit section three is base running awards yeah but then section three has one two three four five six articles i'll say like six or seven yeah yeah and so whereas obr is not it's not quite broken out that way. They uh, put a lot of high school is, has more separate rules to say the same thing that OBR says in one rule, but has eight comments under the rule. Yes, correct. OBR uh, adds comments to all their to the rules, and they do. And uh, OBR does break it up into you know sections, subsections, but you just have to pay attention to how you're you're looking at that because um, the OBR rule writers. I'm I'm just gonna. I'm not going to put it. They're not more sophisticated, but they have a more advanced clientele. Right. You're dealing with players who are making seven figures and umpires who are making sixes, you know? Yeah. People who do this for a living. Yes, correct. And so it's a little bit more. So they break their, their rules up into different sections versus, you know, NFHS. Right. Um, You've got any subsequent play by an infielder, or any throw by an outfielder, ball goes out of play or lodges in or under a fence. It's two bases from the time of the throw. So a double play. Ground ball to the shortstop. That throw to the second baseman is that initial play. So now the second baseman throwing the ball away, going to first, that base award for any other runners, aside from the runner that was put out at second base, is going to be made from the time the throw left his hand. So if that batter runner's fast and he already had it beaten out and the second baseman didn't realize it, guess what? He just gave that guy third base. So I'm, I want to share a play that I had this year. And I think I have a video of it. I, I think so. I'd have to go back and dig. But we had runners at first and second. And there was, I think there was no outs. Might have been one out. But there was definitely one out or less. And we had a ground ball to shortstop. Runner on second. He makes it to third during the turn of the double play. the The play at second happened really fast. I don't. I can't remember. I don't think maybe there was a double still on. I, I really don't remember all the details, but I know it happened really fast. And I'm in the field. The throw from the, they got the run, they got R one out at second, and they're trying to turn the double play, and it goes into into the stands. Well, there was a force play slide rule. The runner. R1 went into second, standing up, and I, and I mean, he hit the second baseman who was taking the throw from shortstop. He hit him on his glove side, but hit him in the shoulder. I mean, like they 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 bumped shoulders, right? And which caused the throw into the stands. Oh, you know what? There was there was it was zero outs because I call force play slide rule violation. So. R1's out and the batter runner's out. And I point at R2, who's now at third, you're back here at second. Well, offensive the third base coach, which was the manager, was like, no, no, he gets he gets uh, two bases because that went out of play. Just because the ball went out of play doesn't I mean, we're not always awarding bases because what happens prior to that matters too. Right. Well, the, 
the ball became dead on the force play slide rule violation, right? So we don't right. care where the ball ended up. And so that was just a, you know, force play slide rule doesn't happen a whole lot. Ball getting thrown out of play doesn't happen a whole lot, but they both happened at the same time. And I'm telling you, it was by the time I was actually making the force play slide rule call, the ball was already out of play. Yeah, and the thing too is that force play slide rule violation, that rule takes precedence over whatever may have happened by the throw. Yeah, and, and, right? and why? So, yeah. The, yeah. That, the, that rule prescribes that the batter runner is out. Yep. And, and the runner, the, the, you know, the initial runner stays out. So wh- why are we talking about base awards? Why is he, and he, sh- he should know that. And he probably knew that. He it, was just trying to get. I think it was in the, yeah, and I think it was kind of in the moment. Like in, his initial reaction was a ball went out of play. So he gets a runner, you know, you know, he gets to advance. That was his, maybe his initial reaction. And then once he, once it, he said that he kind of tried to stick with it to try and, you know, you know, coaches are trying to fight for the team. And so I, I'm all for that. I get that. And I think he just kind of got, once he made that argument, he tried to stick with that argument and he, he, it's not like we had to throw the guy out. He, he relented. He, you know, he gave up, he, um, what's the, the term cooler heads prevailed. Cooler. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, uh, it, it ended up being fine, but, um, the point of that was not necessarily the argument from the coach or, or what he knew or didn't know, but it was, it's just that how those two things happen kind of almost simultaneously or, or really close together. And as umpires, we have to take everything one bite at a time. And most of the time we have to take things in order in which they happen. Right. And so kind of an important note there. And, and that's the only time I can ever remember something like that happening. So, it was kind of. I'll try to dig that video out and send it to you. The uh, the last two base award for the batter and all runners is intentional catch and carry, and, and the reason this is there is because a lot of a lot of players and coaches don't know that they know that if they're they've got a full head of steam and the left fielder makes a catch in foul territory, and he goes plowing into the bullpen off the field. Dead ball, everybody gets one base. Yep. Well, they added this about the intentional catch and carry. Picture this situation. Ball going into the corner. You remember Turner Field in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. They used to have the bullpen gates in the corner. Yep. Just by the foul pole. Fielder's on his horse. Makes an over-the-shoulder catch. There's a speed demon on second base, and that fielder realizes by the time I... I don't have a great arm. By the time I stop my momentum, control this ball, and throw it in, there's a chance the runner from second might make it home. Oh, he's fast. Uh... I don't have a good arm, and, and I'm I'm way out here in the right field corner. So I'm if going to run. Yeah, the Dela Cruz kid could yeah. do that, or Dela Cruz. Dela Cruz. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> run into the bullpen to cause a dead ball. And they give that guy third base. We're still going to give him third mm-hmm. base, but he's not going to. So they added this in the rule. If it's an intentional catch and carry, it's two base award for that type of play specifically. Uh, because yeah, there are times where baseball IQ, a fielder with high baseball IQ does, does things that may not seem conventional. We saw a play the other day. Uh, there was a, a foul ball, deep foul ball in left field. 
the left fielder got to it and just stood there and let it drop 10 feet in front of him. Why? Because it was in the ninth inning, is a tie game, and there was a runner on third. Yep. He's not going to make that catch and let that guy have a chance to tag up and try and score. And you know what? They got to strike three on the next pitch, so it paid off for him. Um, yeah. Well, I think I, I think there's a video out there from like I want to say that game's in the '90s, and I want to say it's like a it's a lower level college game. I, I honestly I can't I can't remember exactly, but I remember the play. It was a it was a corner shot to right field. It's yep. one of those line drives that's and it hits barely in. I mean, it may even hit the chalk. I can't remember. And it's going to bounce around in the corner. The right fielder, I mean, and the, the runner on first is gone on the hit. It might have been two outs. It might have been a hit, two out hit and run. I can't remember exactly, you know. But he fields it and throws it into the bleachers on purpose. Yeah. And <laughs> thinking that he's going to stop that runner at third. Well, the time he fielded it and threw it into the bleachers, R1 had already touched second. And he's right. thinking that, you know, it's just, it's just, and this isn't a catch and carry situation, but it's kind of the same principle, though. It prevents the outfielders from doing something from like doing that. Doing something, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I know that's a fair batted ball, totally different situation, but it's the same, same, same principle applies here um, on a situation like, even like Bernie mentioned, that the rule riders, this is why I try to tell people, guys, whenever you, when you try to go to war against the rule riders, you're probably gonna lose. Like and if you win, I'm not saying that, if you win, you will win once. In the next season, there will be mm-hmm. a rule. <laughs> yeah, if it's <laughs> if it's significant enough, I promise you, there will be another there will rule. Be a rule I mean, made. They can always <laughs> yeah, exactly. write rules because you know what? They yeah. like having reasons to sell us all new rule books and creating uh, a whole new rule because of you <laughs> gives them a perfect reason to sell us a new rule book. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> but, but no, what, there's, but the the point is though is. I think the rule riders for all three rule sets are are pretty solid, and they've they've encountered um, so many plays, so many scenarios that we can't even we probably couldn't even cover in in twenty yeah. episodes. And and they have written rules and they word rules in ways that cover you know more scenarios than just your basic scenarios. And yeah. a lot of times, whenever someone thinks they have the rule book full, they end up being the fool. Yep. So uh, that that's the point of that's the point I was trying to make. There is that this intentional catch and carry. Players are savvy. I mean, for the you know, I, I never try to assume that a player is not smart enough to think of something uh, because you know players players are savvy sometimes and they do some weird stuff. And try to pull one over on you. Uh, they that's a, a real savvy player tries to bend the rules as far as they can without breaking them. Yeah. And this is one rule that's put into play, that's put in the in the rule book to prevent that from happening. There's uh so that what we just talked about, that intentional catch you carry is the final two base award. There's one three base award for the batter and all runners. A fair oh, batted my, ball. My, my, my hands up. My hands yeah, up. Yes, yes, Josh, calling on you. <laughs> what, what is the what's the would one that, three base award we had? Would that be detached equipment on a batted it, ball? It would be detached equipment or it, illegal glove. Yes. Yep. Okay. And and there's hang on. There's a little bit of difference there. Can we talk about the difference between those two before we dive into it? Yes. Too much. 
Yes. When when Ill- illegal equipment is used to field a batted ball, the offense gets gets has an option. Right. Because there's a off chance that that would have been an inside the park home run. And yeah. he, they would allow literally that's the only case where I can think of it would be beneficial for the offense to accept the penalty. But it, well, know, and the cool thing is we don't really have to worry about that because it's up to yeah. the offense. Yeah, but it's it, the only thing would be you know if it's a yeah ball in right field is juggled around they discover he has an illegal glove in right field, but the kid's fast and it's an inside the park home run. Hey, that's an illegal glove. Uh, obviously, the gloves removed from the game. All that we're not going to discuss that, but the that penalties to the defense apply. And you look at the offensive manager and you say, do you want the home run or do you want a triple? And he's going to go, where are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sitting here trying to think. I'm trying to remember, and I'm, I'm going off of memory here, not the book, is, yeah, because because even when, when an illegal glove or mitt is used to field a bad ball, it's still not an de- automatic dead ball, is it? Nope. It's still a live ball. Right. Uh, okay. I was sitting there trying to make sure. this from the time of the infraction. Yes, correct. So, um, but like a lot, you know, and the the key here, the word detached is very important. Yes. Because simply because a piece of equipment is not where it started doesn't mean it is detached. Right? Yeah, that word that word implies intent, right? Right. And, and Okay. So you have a you have a fielder who jumps against the wall for a, a ball that potentially is a home run. He, in the process of jumping, he's got a loose hat and his hat falls, right? That ball bounces off the wall and hits his hat that fell. That's still a batted ball, but it is not detached. He did not take it off. He didn't take his hat off and put it there. Whereas if he takes his hat off and uses it, oh shit, I can't get my glove hand up. Let me see if I can catch it in my hat before it goes over the fence. Yeah, that's a three, no, that's a three base award. Yeah, um, great point because same thing, same thing with an infielder who's trying to jump as high as he can and, and catch a which, line drive. Actually, I, I gave a really bad example because I no, believe no. a ball a ball going over if he stops it from going over the fence, I believe that's a four base award. But I'll yeah, that, that is. I wasn't gonna. Yeah, but, but you're right. That is a four, if, if the umpire uh, thinks that he stopped it from going yeah, out, I, it is. If he thinks he's if he's trying to make a catch though, he's trying to dive for a. Let's we'll say he's trying to dive for a ball, right? Staying in, but he dives yeah, for it. He's not going to get it with his glove. He takes his hat off. Three base award. Um, yeah, or he loses his glove in the process, and all he has left is his hat, and he takes it off and tries to catch it with it. That's that's intentionally detached equipment. If it just right. falls off, yeah. And and the same goes for when an infielder is trying to catch a line drive because that's the only time that I've seen a glove come off, contact the ball, but it was not detached equipment because he was trying to re. I mean, he he did not throw his glove at the ball. He did not take his glove off. His glove came off in his attempt to catch that line drive. Well, and, and it and- came off. And- the 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 rule actually goes on. The actual I know. Keep on. I'm looking at the table, but the rule I believe goes on to say it actually says it defines detached equipment as um, like thrown, thrown, kicked, tossed, or held onto by a fielder or something of that nature. 
um, where so it says you know so it covers that incidental falling off is not it a, does I think it's I forget what exit yeah I know it says like a thrown or kicked or or thrown or held something like that um, is what it means by it says detached no you're you're all over and and I got it right here in front of me it says uh, by detached player equipment which is thrown tossed kicked or held by a fielder provided the ball. When touched is on or over fair ground. Yeah, so it, yeah, it ha- th- that's the intent that's required right. when it comes to detached equipment. Yeah, so if it just um, falls uh, off, and, you know, his hat falls off and the ball hits it, tough shit. <laughs> yeah, um, and and guys, I, um, this is one that I, I posted this as a scenario in an umpire group a long time ago. A glove held in the hand is not a glove worn on the hand. And right. so I think the scenario I had was <clears throat> was a, a catcher who went to block a pitch and his mitt came off. He picks up his mitt and he's holding his mitt in his hand and he rakes the ball back to him. Yep. That's detached equipment. I know the glove's held in the hand and, and he's using the glove and you can fill balls with gloves. Yeah, you can when they're worn properly. But when you're yep. holding it and you use it to fill – a ball that's detached equipment. That's detached equipment. That's, that's what the rule is talking about. Uh, yep. Those are the scenarios that it it explicitly covers. That <laughs> it may not say it word for word for the scenario that I gave, but it says held. Yep. <laughs> okay, detached equipment held. Well, that would mean a hat in the hand or a glove in the hand or or whatever. And so yes, it has to be an int- detached equipment requires intent. It requires it. If there's no intent, then there's no detached equipment. There are, there are four, four base awards. Uh, two of them are pretty common. Uh, the one is a fair batted ball goes over the fence in flight. Home run. More commonly, yeah, more commonly called a home run. A, another one that is called a home run is a fair batted ball hits a foul pole above the fence in flight. Yep. Uh, so it, it hits a foul pole above the fence in flight. Because we should really... We should really call it a fair pole. Fair pole, yeah, because the foul, the fair lines and and fair lines and uh, fair poles. Yep, because they are in their territory. <laughs> Baseball, I believe, is the That's only true. sport where the lines themselves are in play. That's right. Uh, yep. Well, I don't. You know, I'm not big on lacrosse or or cricket, but yeah, yeah, I don't. You know, I, don't I imagine it's I imagine become cricket would be in play because I think you know baseball was. Loosely based on cricket, so well, you you rinse your mouth out with soap, sir. Baseball, <laughs> <laughs> baseball is America's pastime. We invented that thing <laughs> no. because we played cricket. Um, you have a a fair ball is prevented from going over the fence because of being touched by a spectator. Uh, so, yep, you have a spectator. A ball hit. A lot of times, you'll see a ball hits a spectator who's trying to catch. Oh, home runs come to me. Bounces out of the spectator's glove. It goes on the field. It's that is not considered interference, right? Because the spectator has the right to be behind the fence. It's not his fault the ball hit him and bounced back onto the field. He was probably he wanted to keep that ball as a souvenir, but he's in the stands because he's not a professional athlete and he didn't catch the ball. So. So the ball hits right. him and bounces in the field. That's a home run. That's a four-base award. And the final yeah. 
four base award is a fair batted ball prevented from going over the fence because of contact with detached player equipment or illegal glove or mitt. That's the one I botched earlier. Um, you know, so he he takes his hat off and jumps and and tries to catch the ball in his hat and he does, uh, or he knocks it down. You know, that's if umpire judgment that ball would have left the field. It's a four base award. Um, and there are three. The last three here, folks, uh, that are umpire judgment base awards. Spectator interference, which is from the time of the infraction. Um, so that play in the outfield, but instead of the spectator standing up and trying to catch a obvious home run, right, he reaches out. Fielder's under. Fielder's up against the warning track. He's got the ball. He reaches out and... He's Phil's got the ball tracked. The spectator reaches out and catches that ball. Or you've got a ball. It's a fair ball. It it goes right over third base. It hits the line and it goes into the corner and somebody reaches down and scoops it up out of the stands. Base awards on those plays are 100% umpire judgment. What would have happened if the spectator had not caught that ball. The spectator had not reached over and picked up that ball that's laying there, whether it's a throw, a pitch, a, a batted ball. What, what would we have given, or what, what we give what we believe would have happened had that not occurred. And we, if you're an umpire out there listening and that happens, always get with your crew. Pull everybody together and say, hey, what did you have? Because there's a lot of moving parts on that play. That ball's in the corner, it's bouncing around, and somebody reaches over and grabs it. Well, the third base umpire, because it was a fair foul behind him, let's say you're in a three-man crew. Third base umpire, is, he, he's turned on that because he's got fair foul down the line. So he sees the interference, right? But what doesn't he see? He doesn't see where the runners are. So he can't just call interference and turn around and start placing runners. He calls interference, and then they get together, and first base umpire says, well, I had... I had the batter come around me already, and he was on his way to second. He was two-thirds of the way to second, and the home plate umpire had, had come up because there was a runner on first, maybe you know, play start, whatever. Home plate umpire says, well, there's the runner, runner from first would have come around. You have a lot of moving parts, so you want to make sure everybody knows exactly what was happening at the time the spectator interference occurred. And then you say, okay, well, you had interference here, I had this runner here, I had this runner here. Okay, due to the interference, we're putting you here, and we're putting you here. There's a famous video going around of back in the 80s, I think, 70s or 80s, Joe Torrey, when he was managing the Braves. They had spectator, they had like these barriers. They weren't fences, they were like riot barriers, crowd control barriers, instead of walls, like actual permanent fencing, it, down the left field line, and the spectators came over, the fencing knocked it down and took the ball off the field. And yeah. Joe Torrey came out and gave the umpires an earful because he didn't like that they didn't give a runner home. Uh, that's a great video, but yeah, it is. It was in the 80s, right? I think it was early 80s. Yeah, here's a Josh, we're talking about base awards, but is there a situation where spectator interference could result in an out, perhaps? Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you know, that's uh, I think we we kind of discussed this. Previously, but yeah, if a spectator reaches over into the yep. playing field and hinders a fielder from making a catch, then yes, yep. we. I mean that we, we go back to the the 
famous Chicago Cubs scenario, that was not spectator interference. No, because he didn't reach over. Like we talked about the interference. If the fielder reaches into the spectator's territory, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, it's an imaginary wall. Right, but if the spectator reaches to the field, yep. That's it. Take the Jeffrey Meyer play in New York, Baltimore, and the Yankees. Yep. yep. There you Jeffrey go. Jeffrey Meyer reached over, and that you know that was spectator interference. Now <laughs> another, <laughs> Both there those is guys. one place Both those guys got trashed. <laughs> those guys. Oh yeah, there is one place a, a, a fielder can reach into that he is required to be given right of way. He. Spectators are not required to give a fielder right of way once he reaches into the stands. But if a defender reaches into the offensive dugout, yep. reaches over dugout railing, the members of the offensive team who are in the dugout are required to vacate to give him room. Yes. So that's, that's but that's, you know, that's a different rule. But they are, yeah, spectators right. are not. If a ball is coming to me in my seat, um, baseball etiquette, baseball etiquette dictates. Who is who's on defense? I'm gonna tell you as a fan though. I'm a I'm a baseball fan, right? As a fan, if I'm sitting in the stands in my Atlanta Braves jersey, and I'm sit, I'm the I'm in the front row, and the Braves are playing the Yankees, or the Mets, or the Phillies, or whoever other Braves are playing anybody, and the Braves are on offense, and and I'm up there near the wall, foul ball comes near me. I'm catching that thing. <laughs> I don't care where the fielder is. As long as I'm not reaching over the railing, I'm not reaching over the wall. Yeah. I'm staying inside the, I'm staying in the spectator area. I'm catching that ball. But let me tell you what, if the Braves are on defense and I'm in left field and Eddie Rosario comes running towards me at full speed and he's got a chance to play that ball, me and every other Braves fan, we are going to vacate and let him try and make that play. Yep. And if he doesn't, it's, then we can fight over the ball later. Right, it's baseball etiquette. It's just common fan courtesy. You give your own guy the right of way. Yep. Um, but that's we're digging into fan territory, and I've made yep. some Yankees fan mad. Uh, there's one more. <laughs> there's well, there's two more that are umpire yeah, well, judgment. One we don't really have to cover, but you can. You can mention it. Obstruction is umpire yeah. judgment, except high school is a minimum one base award, but you can award more. And that's and once again, that's a situation where. Batter hits a clean triple, right? The batter is rounding first base, full head of steam. The ball is way down in the corner in right field, and the fielder hasn't even gotten it yet. Fielder's still 15 steps away. Batter crashes into the first baseman. That's obstruction. We defined that. We talked about obstruction in the previous episode. That's obstruction. And the batter's maybe the batter's knocked out cold, right? Yeah, right. Batter's on the ground, or he's he he gets his bell rung. Play is yeah. over. Poor, we call time. Me, whatever. Yeah. I am in high school obligated by rule to give that batter batter runner second base, one base. But if at I, least my judgment, if I believe, hey, he would have made that. That's a triple. I'm going to give him third base, and this rule yes. this this allows for that. And the the yep. last one is defensive malicious contact. You can award based on umpire judgment. So, for example, the, the def- defensive malicious contact is almost always going to be obstruction. 
Yes. Um, unless it's an overly aggressive tag or something of that nature. It's almost always going to be obstruction. So that play right there that I described, if he didn't crash in the first baseman, if the first baseman body checks him, we're going to give him the base we believe he would have attained had that not occurred. The only difference there is I'm going to eject the first baseman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything's done. But that's our that's base awards. Um, well, you know, one thing that's not covered in the in the base running tables, and, and I'm not advocating that it should be, because I don't think it should be, but uh, umpire error. There's that should fall under the umpire judgment area because we can award bases, we can award <coughs> outs on umpire error, and uh, umpire error may be for another episode. But if if the umpire errs in some way, and I'm not talking about judgment, I'm not talking about ball strikes out safe, but if if we if we inadvertently call time or we make a call that causes confusion, that and that call was was not the correct call to make um, in that time. Uh, there's a lot of scenarios. Like I said, I'm not going to go too deep yeah. into it. But we can award bases that nullifies that umpire error. Or it may be outs. It may be runs. It may be, we may even put them all the way home. Uh, yeah. It, it, um, so, it's, and that's why I'm not saying, or that's why I'm saying it shouldn't be in the, the base running table. I, I'm not, you know. I'm not well, saying that the, the men an error here, but there are some times that aren't covered in this table where we could be awarding bases. Based the on thing with umpire error is we need to protect whoever we inadvertently put at a disadvantage because of our error. There you go. Bingo. So that's, a, that's the key. An easy example that comes to mind is I've got I've runners on first and second. And... I say, you know, I give them the count, 3-1. And ball four comes in. The catcher knew what the right count was. He didn't say anything to me. He doesn't have to. I say 3-1. The pitch comes in, ball four. The two runners take off jogging to the next base. The catcher fires it to third. They tag the runner out. Right? Mm -hmm. Offensive coach comes out to me and goes, hey, 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 uh, that was only ball three. You, you, did you say 3-1? Well, yeah, I said 3-1. I thought it. Hold on. I'm going to get my crew together. And we're going to go, hey, Josh, did you have? Was that only ball three? That was only ball three. Okay. I did something. If I hadn't said, if I hadn't announced before the pitch that it was ball three and took that next pitch as if it was ball four, those guys would not have been casually strolling to the next base. I made a decision. I did something that affected the decisions they made on the field, especially a lot of fields don't have scoreboards, operating scoreboards. And if they do, they've got some middle school kid pushing buttons and eating popcorn. You know, So I put those players in a situation where they, they were strolling onto the next base instead of staying put. Am I going to keep them at that base? No. I'm going to go, hey, guys, guys, I said, I said that was ball four and it was ball three. You're going back. You're still staying on base, coach. You've still got two runners on base. I'm not yeah. giving him the next base. I'm not going to let him. I'm not, they're not getting a cheap steal out of it. Right. But I'm going to protect them and do what I can to make sure that what I did incorrectly does not negatively affect somebody. Um, yeah. 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 So, but that's, an, that's another episode. That's just a quick example. Yeah. Um, 
but and keep in mind if you if you you know you may it's been an hour and change now, guys. We we did this based off of we were going through the high school rule book. We tried to talk about some OBR differences here and there, NCAA differences, but this episode is primarily focused on the high school base running awards section of the rule book. So if you have anything that that differs or that we missed from the high school book, which which we were we stayed in it the whole episode, I hope we didn't, but. Um, well, that brings up a good point. Did we did we discuss the difference in a lodged pitch? I mean, no, I'm sorry, not lodged. Uh, detached equipment used uh, on a pitch. There is a difference between OBR and NCAA and and NFHS. Did we did we go over detached equipment? I know we covered it with NFHS, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean detached equipment used to field a pitch in NFHS is two bases. It's right. a pitch or a throw. Right. Well, for OBR and NFH, or excuse me, OBR and NCAA, it's just one base. Just one base. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's that's one of the major differences in the base run. And for the most part, they're, they're, all of these base awards are the same uh, when it comes to lodge ball, ball out of play, you know, um, and detached equipment. Um, and they all pretty much line up with time of throw, time of pitch scenarios yeah. as well. And then the hands so, that are time of infraction. Yeah, time of infraction, which which, you know, um <clears throat> you know, ninety-nine percent of the time we're we don't or no, I'm not gonna say ninety-nine, let's just say ninety-five percent of the time we're not gonna have to worry about that because it usually happens one before the other. But but yeah, it's important to know those though. You you should definitely know when it's a time of infraction award, when it's a time of pitch award, or time of throw award. Yep. But that's all I've got. I'm not going to dig into any other rules tonight. Um, no, I'm good. This is a all. good good catch up. You know, what's been three weeks since we've recorded? Uh, well, the last episode was Father's Day, so yeah, well, do, do the math. Yep. Yeah. About well, roughly a month. Yeah, uh, yeah. Four, three and a half, four weeks. Yep. I so, I enjoyed my time off. I, um, um, I honestly have the only my only interaction with baseball in the well since the end of May has been coaching, and yeah. um, you know I, I get to see a lot of different umpires when I'm coaching and and uh, the different levels of quality. You know, you can tell the guys who who are out there who want to who want to get better and who want to be the most knowledgeable out there that like have a desire for that. And then there's guys who who don't really care about that. They just they're out there. They know they know quite a bit. They know enough to get them through a a 13U, you know, travel ball game and and ruling rules and rule interpretations aren't high on their list of pro, uh, high on their priority list and you can see that from time to time when when a play happens and um, and so my, my advice to, to guys, if you're listening, if, if you're like me and, and umpire high school and below, um, just because you're, you're umpiring teenagers and, and adolescents doesn't mean that you, you can't be the best umpire or the best one out there on that field. And so get in the rule book, uh, get training, want to be better. Uh, I, I want to be at a place where I can get through a season and I, I, I'm not saying this hasn't happened, but I, but I want to get through a season where where a play doesn't surprise me, and that that takes a lot of training. You know, it takes a lot of of rule book reading. Uh, when something when one of those weird plays happens, 
uh, I want to be like on it. I don't want to have to sit there and, and conference. I'm not saying those conferencing and getting it right is is a wrong thing. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I want to be like on top of it. Yeah, I know nobody's seen that in in you know the past 15 years. Who cares? I nailed it. And so, yeah. in order to do that, though, you have to want to. You have to care about the, you know what you're doing, but you have to get in the rule book. You have to get training. You ha- honestly. Some of the best training guys is doing what me and Bernie are doing right here on this podcast and just talking about rules. Get with a buddy. Get with somebody. Yeah, sit down, make up plays, say, how would yeah. we rule on this? And it may be 15 minutes or it may be like me and Bernie. We get, every once in a while we get to carve out an hour and a half or two hours and sit there and talk about it. And and uh, that's how you get better. That's how you become the best one out there on the field. And any, I've said this before. When I enter a baseball field, uh, especially when I'm umpiring, I want to be the best umpire. I want to be the one. I want to be the best one when it comes to knowing the rules, interpreting the rules, and enforcing the rules. I want to be the best. Um, yeah. And I hope that I have a partner that wants to be better than me, because we're probably going to have a pretty good game. And you know, you may end up with one of those ones like my my state final this year. That was probably the most boring game I've I've umpired in in probably ten or fifteen years. <laughs> but but uh, you know it. If something were to happen in the game, I knew the two guys that I had working with me were going to be on top of it. And so that's what it's about, just getting better and, and diving into this rule book. Um, ask yourself a question. If you're in a high school umpire, that's all. let's just say that's all you do. That's all I umpire right now is high school baseball. So if you're a high school umpire, have you read the NFHS rule book? I'm not talking about read bits and pieces here and there. Have you read the whole thing? Just sat down. It took, I, I timed it. Um, it's been probably a year or so. And I'm, I think I've mentioned this before, but I've timed it. You can read the NFHS rulebook in about an hour's time. And I'm talking just read it cover to cover. It's about an hour, a little over an hour. You can definitely do it in under two hours. Yeah, easily. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about an hour because what I found myself doing was rereading some of those sections. But so, you know, that's what I'm saying. Around an hour, you can read that whole book. I'm not saying that's going to make you. The, the rule the rules genius but at least you've read it you know and then you know what I've done is um, and I just started doing this about 10, 10 or 12 years ago I memorized the rule sections what the rules are or what you know because you have you have the rules are broken in broken into numbers all the way to 10 in NFHS and what do those numbers mean what does rule one cover what does rule two cover what does rule eight cover Tonight we covered a lot of uh, everything we covered tonight come out of rule eight. And so just knowing for NFHS what those rules cover, that's gonna that's gonna help you a bunch. Well, we have a, a base running award situation. Okay, well that's coach that's covered in rule eight. Uh, we have a pitching infraction. Well, coach, that's covered in rule six. So those knowing those type things um, help help you become better as well. Yeah, and it also gives, you know, I like the way NFHS breaks the rule book down because it, like we talked about earlier, each individual thing is a little rule as opposed to OBR and NCAA. There's a lot of comments and a lot of note and this and that. And it, it covers the same information. It's just NFHS really lets you hone in on it and give a specific reference. You know, someone, hey, what's this? Well, coach, it's, you know, 8-3, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, dig into the rule book, 
you can NFHS, and I'm not affiliated with them other than I have to register every year with my state association for high school ball. Um, but NFHS has an app, and it's it's called NFHS Rules, and you can yep. buy for like six or seven bucks. You can buy digital copies of the rule book and case book. Yep. And if you go on the NFHS website, you can buy two additional publications, which is the uh, Umpire's Manual and yep. the Rules Simplified and Illustrated. Yep. So it'll give you diagrams and, and, and images, and this might happen, this might happen, players standing here, X, Y, Z. Those are only available in print copies, um, but I recommend getting all four of those, Rulebook, Casebook, Simplified and Illustrated, and Umpire's Manual. Yep, and, and what's and great about those because they're they reference each other. You can read a rule book definition of a, of something. Look it up in a case book. Look it up in Simplified Illustrated, and then Umpire's Manual will tell you, okay, if this situation happens, here's where you should be standing, and here's where you should be looking. What I, and what I love about umpiring in in the greatest state in the union in Arkansas, um, I get print copies of the rule case and umpire manual every year in my packet. Okay. All right. And now I also, now you're just being, it. Right. yeah, Why? I'm fixed. I'm fixed to make it even more work. I also like, get the digital copies of the rules in the casebook included. That's disrespectful. It's just, it's just rude <laughs> now. so every, every so often though, I buy this rule simplified. I buy it probably every three or I don't know, five years or so. I buy I buy that, and so yeah, I know it's it's a great state, and my umpire fees are probably more than yours, so that's probably why. But nothing's for free, right? So yeah, no. <laughs> but all I have to do is once I like here, and I think it's in August, I'm able to re up with the state and do my test and get certified, you know, get all that stuff registered and all that, and then I log into my NFHS rules app, and bam, my my email has a free, my account has a free rule and in casebook in the app and so i love it must be nice yeah i, I say it's august you know what it, it's probably actually december it's more closer to the yeah, first our, year our registration yeah. i think is in december or, yeah or, that's right because the rule book doesn't get published until late late fall early winter anyway so yeah yeah anyway good stuff yeah yeah enjoyed the enjoyed the time buddy that's all i've got you got anything else to add i mean we, you, well you just added that um no yeah i'm good we will uh as far as I know, uh, we should be a little more regular with our with our uh, yeah offerings to you. Um, we've got some pretty good topics to cover here over the next few weeks. So I'm not going to tip our hand just because it's going to all of it's going to depend on availability of uh, of guests and yep. uh, kind of what we feel like. But we do have several topics lined up, um, and, and we're we're excited to bring it to you. We, uh, we people answered the poll that I put on one of the episodes. Uh, a lot of people want to hear about mechanics uh want to hear mechanics questions and 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 things like that so we're, we're going to dive into the mechanics a little bit more and we're still promising we're dangling that carrot out for you i promise you there's going to be a whiskey episode coming up uh shortly yes and and, uh, and i think that poll tells us that the bulk of our listeners are probably umpires which i love yes yep yep and i think that's who we kind of cater towards so yeah oh right. yeah. yeah yeah uh guys it's been fun. Uh, once again, I appreciate all of you listeners and uh, and those of you who interact with us. If you want to reach out to us, uh, send us your comments, questions, hate mail, fan mail, 
whatever it is, send it to balls.strikes.bourbon at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to look us up on, uh, it's Anchor. Is the It's not Anchor, it's Spotify for Podcasters, but it's, it's, you can still go to the link anchor.fm slash balls strikes bourbon, all one word. And uh, there's a message us button there. You can message us that. That link also has different places you can hear the podcast if you um, don't, if you don't like listening where you are currently listening. We suggest Spotify just because Spotify does have an interact option and, and you can, you know, we can post questions and polls and things like that. And you can answer some questions we ask about the episode. Um, if you're listening on, Especially Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but if you're listening on Google Podcasts or, or Stitcher or Pocket Cast, um, give us a rating, please. Obviously, we, we like five-star ratings, but if you have a reason not to give us a five-star rating, give us that rating, but then shoot us a message say, hey, I only gave you three stars because of this. I'd like to hear more of that. I'd like to hear this. I think you got something wrong. We'd love to hear that. Um, you know, Part of being a good umpire is being open to criticism and, and understanding that, hey, we get, we get shit wrong all the time. Um, and Ideally, we get something wrong while we're talking to you. We're talking to each other. We get corrected, and then we don't get it wrong on the field. There you go. So if we mess something up, tell us. We'll fix it. We'll issue an apology. We'll call the uh, we'll call the governor. We'll call the press. <laughs> make sure everybody knows. Um, but that being said, this has been episode number twelve of Ball Strikes and Bourbon, a podcast about umpiring and whiskey. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.